This is Michael Ostlink. Welcome to our radio. We explore individual and social transformation through collaborative action. Today's show is brought to you by Cosper Scafidi, an amazing body worker in the Northern Virginia area, who has integrated different somatic practices into his work, including Rolfing. To learn more about his work, you can visit his website at www.cosperscafidi.com. Today's guest is Patricia Karnowski, who grew up in a small town near Flint, Michigan. She went to Eastern Michigan University and received a bachelor's degree in women's studies and psychology. Then she went to University of Michigan, where she received her master's degrees in clinical psychology. When she was working in New York, right at, right at the time when doctors were prescribing a lot of Prozac and Paxil, she could feel the negative changes in her patients' personalities. She knew they could use some kind of physical help, but this was wrong, she thought. She had been using Chinese medicine herself after giving it a try when she lived in San Francisco. After researching it, she found out that it could be used for anxiety and depression. So she went back to school and got another bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences and then a master's degree in oriental medicine. She thought she'd be working with anxiety and depression, but she put a small paragraph in her newsletter stating that Chinese medicine could help people with fertility problems. That helped launch her work in fertility using Chinese medicine. For the past 20 years, she's been creating Chinese herbal formulas for women around the world to treat their fertility problems. Patricia is also part of the van life movement and has been a solo full-time nomad traveler in a converted van with solar on the roof and a mobile cell booster so that she can travel the back country of this continent. Hi, Patricia. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm sitting here on the edge of Lake, this must be Huron, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And actually, the town I'm by is called Paradise. I didn't nice. plan that. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah. some people are going to be watching this, so they'll see the fact that you actually are in your van. For the people who are listening yeah. to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, I just want people to know that you actually are doing this from your van, which is your mobile home which we'll get into. This, this is my <laughs> only home. This is everything I own in the world is right here. I got rid of everything and this is it. That's, yep. that, that's awesome. And I definitely want to do a deep dive into that. But before we kind of get into your fan life and what led you to be a mobile, nomad uh, Chinese medicine yeah. practitioner, talk to, talk to us, like what led you to women's studies and psychology to begin with? I, you know, I was young, right? <laughs> and I, <laughs> way back then, and I, my, um, my parents were young when they had all seven kids, and it was chaotic, of course. And my dad want, thought, he worked in the shop, you know, at GM, and he thought, don't work in the shop. He taught us, don't work in the shop. Have an interesting life. And so I started looking at what do I want? And I went to um, university, I went to Eastern Michigan University thinking that I would go into uh, uh, teaching um, uh, people with, with learning disabilities. And, but then I fell into, into psychology and of course I'm a woman. And so I was looking at all the women's stuff and um, and that's how I got into it, just by accident, just by accident. And so I, I just because it was interesting, 
that's how I started with psychology. And that was, I mean, that was a hundred years ago, right? <laughs> how did feminist studies inform your approach to psychology when you work with your clients? Oh boy, working with women. I mean, I learned so much, you know, when women's studies, you study history and you study literature and you study all aspects of of what it means to be a woman in this day and age up till now right and so i was really saw a broader perspective on i didn't even i didn't even know anything about it really you, you, when you're just living you don't realize i think that's what's going on with black lives matter right now too right is suddenly we're becoming aware of all these places where you know where where African Americans, oh, blacks around the world, have been uh, put down or not allowed to to really live a full life, and that's what it was for me when I went. I studied women's studies, and just studied all all aspects of being a woman. So now I'm really aware. Now I had no idea that would even play a part. Now that I'm working with fertility. Mm. I mean, and with women all around the world right now, most of my patients are all over Africa. Oh, and wow. I see what they see um, fertility and getting pregnant. And I have a lot of people in Pakistan, India, and just all over. And, I, and how they view themselves, which they don't realize has so much to do with society and outside, but it impacts their fertility. It impacts how I can even talk to them about what's going on with their bodies. And the stuff. nobody comes to me first. They come to me after struggling so long to get pregnant. And so emotionally, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So I have to work with that too. Talk to us about how culture plays a role in uh, women's physiology and, and therefore oh. in the way you work with them and find that you've discovered uh, limits the reproductive capacities of your clients or had oh, until they saw wow. you. Wow. It is. It's so how they talk about fertility, how they talk about having a baby is different and what's expected of them a lot of women in africa and and also like pakistan um Ubekistan, my patients there the having a baby is um it defines their worth in life it's not so much it's not so true in the u.s at least with younger people it's not so obvious, but how it is in these other countries, it's very obvious. And then there's a lot of women in a lot of places in Africa where women have had their clitoris cut and which was part of a tradition and how and what happened out of that, how that impacts how they view their bodies. It's a big deal. It's, they don't even know how to talk about it, really. And I even had to learn over time to ask them about it. I didn't know to ask them about it. And I would say, though, that one thing that's true about women all over the world, including the United States, is how little they know about their bodies. 
how little they know about what their reproductive cycle is. Know it either, and they could. I mean, to have sex, men put their penis in a woman's vagina, right? And the vaginal discharge changes throughout the cycle. It becomes clear and slimy at ovulation. A man's in there. He could know this. He could know she's ovulating if we taught it. But it's somehow this secret. And actually, my mom knew nothing about it. She had seven kids. She never knew about that until she heard me talking to a woman on the phone. And this wow. is an obvious thing, right? Obvious. And so how, how people relate to their bodies, it, I've been shocked. I, I had no idea this was how unrelated we are to our bodies. Do you, around the world, yeah, around the world. Are there any cultures that stand out to you as, as where men and women, but women who seem to be your client, are more in touch with their own, you know, somatic self-sense, including their, their sexuality and sensuality and, and things? Or are there a lot of deficits all over the world? It's all over the world. Yeah. How they talk about it... Um, is different like the like the women in the Caribbean for instance for instance their passion is almost angry when they're talking about it oh it's like this edge like I had to learn to understand oh they're not angry this is just how they talk about it hmm. and um, and then women in in like um, Western Africa the way they talk about it and how they relate to it is um feels like it's more um like they always call me patricia my dear always patricia my dear and then we get into this very intimate conversation about it right americans are more scientific about it even though they're wrong most of the time i'm like <laughs> let's back it up here, right let's back it up and let's just go over what a cycle is like and um but they're more scientific and they believe they believe their doctors more than anyone else even though their doctors do not go over it i'm so shocked yeah Have, do you see differences in the medicalization of reproduction where some cultures extremely med medicalize it um, where others might do less so well the u.s of course is very medical I mean, they go to IVF, you know, in, in vitro fertilization, and even with a donor egg, they go to that really fast. But now that's starting to happen more and more all over the world. I even had a patient in um, Ethiopia who had tried IVF three times mm -hmm. before she called me. And that's in Ethiopia, which I was, wasn't expecting, right? And then she ended up, she said, I just want to do it naturally. And I said, let's try it. And now I always go through all of their health history. I have to really know everything about them, their bodies, their emotional. I have to know everything about them because every formula is really customized for them. If they had asthma as a child, I need to know. Mm -hmm. I need to know their, their bodies. So this woman, after three um, IVFs, failed IVF cycles, mm -hmm. she um, took the herbs for three months and she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
Aww, and then good. she ended up um, having twins. Aww. And then she sent me a ticket to Ethiopia to come and meet them. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, you are giving me a dream come true. <laughs> and they said, she said, you gave, you gave us ours. Now we're giving you yours. And I got to go to Kenya too. And they, they did, they paid for the whole thing. Right. And, and really put the whole thing together for me. Nice. That's, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yes. I feel like Africa is, even though I know there's 53 countries in Africa and it's very different, but I've worked with women all over Africa. I have to know even what they eat. Right. And also Africa, they hold their fertility longer than like Americans. And if they come to the U S it, the more they eat American food, the more their fertility goes down, just like uh, just like Americans. And the oldest woman I ever helped get pregnant was 51. Wow. And that was an African woman. If a woman 51 calls me, I have to go over what is for what is menopause, right? But when she was telling me about her and, and she was in Africa and I'm like, what do you eat? And all of that, I thought, oh, my gosh, it might work. Let's try mm-hmm. it sure enough now she's my only one that old but i've had a lot of women in their late late 40s using using chinese medicine as as your model or your map of reality when you work with these with these ladies um can you talk about how that is different than most western trained people might approach you know getting pregnant conception pregnancy and birth because i heard you mention diet as an example oh yeah and in, you know, in, in America, um, most doctors have very, very, very little training in nutrition. None. They have none. <laughs> I know. I was trying they to be nice. They have none. <laughs> <All right. laughs> they don't even have one class in nutrition, right? And, and what they learn yes. is probably very conventional USDA food pyramid or place. Yes, and that paid for that study to be conducted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, right? so talk to me about the Chinese yeah. models, because you also, besides okay, nutrition, so, also, you mentioned like if a lady had asthma when she was a kid, that plays a role yeah. in how you think about it. I have to look at how her body works, right? I want her body, her husband's too. I, I work with men too, but more women okay. than men. And, um, but I have to see what kind of balance her body's in, in every way. So with Western medicine, they're coming in and they are, they'll give you drugs to make you ovulate. They'll give you drugs to do whatever they want to happen on their timing, right? But that's so different. I need to get their body to do what it should on its own. And so I, that's why I have to know their body so well. And, and I always, you know, I have to find out about their cycle, but I also have to know about what colors the blood, what color, what's the digestion like? And, but, and then I always start, I have them fill out a really long form after I've talked to them for at least an hour. And then I'm looking also, is this inner, is this internal or external? Is this imbalance? internal or external is it deficiency or excess is it yin is it yang is it and and so all of those ways the body works is very different than what we're looking at in in western medicine we're looking at it like it's a mechanical thing mm-hmm. and so once i look at how the whole body works like that then I, you know, we don't, our bodies are made up of food, water, and air. That's the only thing that goes into us, right? And so what you eat is a big deal. 
And so, and wow, you breathe and what water is like. So when I'm looking at, and I usually, because I'm working with fertility, it's so much about blood. I need blood to move and I need it to move to those tiny little vessels in the, you know, in the reproductive system. And the, and the body wants, if, if there's any problem in the body, the body wants to prevent you from having a baby, right? So that to keep the species going, keep that, that individual organism alive. So the first thing it does is stop that blood going to the reproductive system. Mm. And this is true in men and women. Men have some other complications, like right now, their fertility, their sperm count is going down, mainly due to um, all the toxins in our fish. We have every single water body now has toxins in it. And the fish, even if it's wild caught, even if it's organic, it doesn't matter. Our water is so bad. And all those toxins are settling in men's reproductive system. And same, not as much in women as men, but that's true. So when I'm looking at food, I'm looking at all of that too. And because I also have a degree in biomedical sciences and how the body works, I can't just go by Chinese medicine. Nice. Where So I have to go. I read research all the time. And when I'm working with... Um, um, uh, diet and trying to change diet, if I know how to change diet easily, I'd be very rich and probably on a yacht. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I really try, I give them my patients there. I give them a whole uh, list of videos. I want them to read research. I want them to see, to convince them, please do this. Do what I tell you to do. Right. Yeah. You mentioned men as well. And yeah. um, I, I've, and it's unfortunate here in West or at least in, in the States, except for sperm, men are not really thought much of in terms of the role they play in terms of conception, pregnancy, <sighs> and birth. Can you speak just a little bit about why men play a role in your mind, the way you work with a couple? I need them. <laughs> I will not be successful without them. And my, I'm only successful if there's a little baby at the end, right? <laughs> uh, and it takes 50%. It's 50%. It's, we have to have the sperm. Now, in Western medicine, what, they don't look at it as much, right? Because they can have men give a, a sample and then they just take out the one good one and yeah. just put it next to that one egg and they're fine. Well, there's a man in one ejaculation, it, ejaculation, it's, it's 16 to 60 million sperm. Why we, it takes that many to get one to swim that 12 hour journey up to where the waiting egg is. So we need there's no getting around. We need men. I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> for what I'm doing. We need men. But can you also speak to like the, the health of the, the health of the man in, in his totality will reflect the strength of the sperm? No. Oh my gosh. Yes. The men have to be healthy there. You know, it takes three months for a sperm to grow and develop. What you do today will affect your sperm three months from today. So what you eat, if you even have a, if, if you even have a cold, 
it'll affect your sperm. If you're depressed, it'll affect your sperm. In Chinese medicine, we have a concept, we talk about the heart, but it's not exactly the heart like the organ. It's really like the heart that falls in love. And there's a whole class of herbs that they say it nourishes the heart to calm the spirit. And if you need those herbs, it's going to affect your heart, the organ. But there's so much to what the heart is before it ever affects the organ. And that's true of men to get that sperm. It's tiny. It's one cell with a little, with a little, a little uh, a tail at the end. We need it all to work. And it takes 12 hours for that little thing to swim to where that egg is. So the and millions in one ejaculation, that's how much, how tender it is, right? How you need so many because most of them will not make it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you bring up the heart and in Chinese medicine, you acknowledge that it's much more than just the organ. But even in the West and in, in, uh, medical science, the heart is unfortunately, for the most part, just seen as a pump. And in fact, it's an endocrine organ. It's a yeah. brain. It has an influence on the brain and the head. So it's you, everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. If it's not working, we'll have no blood yeah. getting nothing. It's, yeah. it's a huge, it's, it's a, well, we can't yeah. say it's everything, but it is. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you want healthy men. You obviously, obviously you want a woman to be as healthy, maximizing her health as possible. I, one of the things you said is diet. So good, clean food, clean water. What are the things you work with women on to improve the likelihood of uh, conception and then a healthy pregnancy and birth? Let me go through food a little bit first. Please, just, please. I just have a couple things. Um, sure. I won't go into all the details, but okay. So um, I want my women, men too, but it's obvious, more obvious in women is that they need to eat cooked dark green leafy vegetables every day. And I recommend um, about two cups. It doesn't have to be all at one time. And I usually say, cook a big pot of it so that you're not having to, you don't have to think about it, just eat it, right? And so two cups of cooked dark green leafies, you know, spinach, kale, collard greens, cabbage, broccoli, those greens. And has to be, you can have them not cooked, but that doesn't count. I need them cooked. And then sprinkle two teaspoons of ground flaxseed on top and a little bit of lemon or lime juice. That combination creates the heme molecule that the body turns into blood. Mm-hmm. It also, that combination creates folate that the body turns into folic acid and in a way that the body can use it. And with when women are um, pregnant or trying to get pregnant, doctors will recommend they take prenatal vitamins. Because, and what a prenatal vitamin is, is a, vi- a regular vitamin with extra folic acid in it, in a form that the body can't use, right? And that, but that combination, that, that vitamin C is coming in with that, you know, the, the lemon or lime juice, and then that, the, the, it's the, got the good oils in that flaxseed in a way the body can use it so that it will break, it'll really create with the greens, that combination well, is what's so important to create the heme molecule. And so, um, so I get them definitely, they have to eat that. And then I want with women, especially absolutely no dairy products. Mm -hmm. And the reason on that is that 
you know, the, it's milk, you know, that is meant for cows. And it, it's meant to grow a cow from um, 100, a calf from 100 pounds to 600 pounds in one year. And it also is, it's coming from a cow that just had a baby. And so the estrogen is too high. Oh, wow. And that estrogen okay. go, will, will cause fibroids. It will cause um, endometriosis. It causes too many problems. So I want that out. I want that out. And I want them to get their, their protein mainly from beans and legumes, black beans, kidney beans, garbanzo beans, black-eyed peas, lentils. Is the dairy restriction specific to women who want to get pregnant, or do you, is that a recommendation you have for all women at all times? I would recommend that to all women. I, I, I can't think of any woman that could tolerate the amount of estrogen in there. Um, because think of it, it's, it is, it's a cow that just had a baby. That's why she has milk, right? And even women who just had a baby are high in estrogen and they're finding that there's too much estrogen in, in dairy products for women. And so it's not about the, the high fat, right? Which it is high in fat, right? Which can slow the blood from moving, but it's the estrogen that I'm worried about for my patients. Is the uh, yeah. mercury and other toxic uh, chemicals or le or um, 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 things that might be in fish aside? If you could find a good source, or do fish play a role in the diet you recommend for women or fish eggs? Um. I used to say it was okay, but mm -hmm. then when the study came out about how, how it's now in all of our Everything. fish, mm -hmm. it's in all of our fish. Our, our, our waters are a mess. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and because just maybe it's not, I don't know if it's, um, I mean, all of my women are having problems getting pregnant, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And so any sensitivity to it, I have to get rid of anything that's going to be a problem. And I've no, I didn't used to um, say anything about diet when I first started. And then, um, and then I read the China study because it's China and I'm Chinese medicine. Right. I read that and I'm like, what? And then I um, started incorporating the information from the China study into the, and then it was like night and day. And so, I mean, I'm seeing women get pregnant. I'm seeing that change so fast that now I cannot avoid saying something about looking at the diet. And a lot of people are giving me information on their phone. They're filling out my long form on their phone and I ask them what they eat. And if they tend to like salty food versus sweet food, that tells me something about their imbalances too. Right, like right. it has to do with the, the kidneys, which in Chinese medicine controls cycles and rhythms in the body. And, um, and if it's sweet, it's more about spleen. And so I have to look at that. And when they're filling out their form on, on their phone, I'll say, what do you eat? And they'll say food. I want to kill them when they say that. I say, I have your address. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned protein. You mentioned legumes as a source of yeah. protein. What do you think of like grass-fed beef or free-range chicken, well, free-range eggs, free-range no, chicken? Because of what I, I – it's not about the pollutants that I'm concerned about. 
I the thing about um, beans and legumes is that it's higher in protein than any animal product, right? And it has the fiber in it, and the fiber in it will help to um, reduce inflammation. And my patients, there's so much inflammation involved. So and it also so that fiber is good. It also has what's considered considered a two meal effect where. When you eat the the legumes at one meal, it keeps the blood sugar regulated for two. And when you you know when you keep the blood sugar regulated, which is a hormone, it will help to control the other hormones. So that's why I want I don't I don't care about the toxins. So oh, and there's also no fat in them, right? No fat in beans and legumes. And so that fat usually with products you eat it and it goes into the bloodstream and yes our body can get rid of it and then it's time for lunch when <laughs> we do it again and again i can't have that i need the blood going to those tiny tiny little vessels for my kind of patients i need how, how about when they're actually pregnant would you encourage a different type of diet than wanting to get pregnant it depends on the person and what their body's mm -hmm. like Okay. Right. If there's somebody like polycystic ovarian syndrome, that's somebody who is going to become diabetic if they don't change their diet. And if they have a daughter, she probably will be too. And so if I change their diet and get rid of all that stuff, they'll drop their weight, which they all have. And they'll, and um, then their daughter will eat like she does, like we all do, eat like our mom. And then she doesn't have to have that problem. So it really depends on the person on what I what I recommend. And normally too, once they're pregnant, I want them off herbs. I don't want them on herbs once they're pregnant. I want their body to be doing what it should on its own, not having to take um, herbs. And I have to know every, every, if they take any medication at all, I have to, they have to stop taking my herbs, call me, let me know what they're doing. And then I have to make sure there's no drug herb interactions. These okay. herbs really are potent it's not we're not playing around so so you use dietary interventions you use herbal interventions you also mm -hmm. work with the with the husband or the man yeah. are there any um and i want him to get his sperm checked too okay i want him to get his sperm checked even if he doesn't think he's got a problem or never did most of the time the doctor doesn't even check them right and i've i've learned that I've got the woman already. Oh shoot, the sperm is low, right? And now it's three months to, to get that sperm up. So I have them just go on Amazon and put in their at-home sperm test and check it at home so we oh. don't have to worry about it. Okay. Um, are there any mind-body practices, meditation, movement practices for, for stress management, for blood flow activities that you recommend to complement the herbs and the dietary changes? I want them um, to elite to walk, right? <laughs> at the very least, right? I need them to walk. And if they can walk for at least 15 minutes, just walk for 15 minutes after two meals a day. I, I'm not saying you have to do any stressing out, just walk, right? And if you can walk with no shoes on, oh, on the earth with no shoes, ideal, right? Ideal. Is that for grounding and, purposes? Um, Yes, it's grounding, right? Okay. It's grounding. And so, and, and they notice it right away and they feel like they think that they, I remember this as a kid, they say, but we know it's grounding. 
right? And if they're in some big city, it's harder, right? It's harder in the winter. And um, so, but just walk, just walk at the very least. If they don't do yoga, oh, of course I want, I love it if they do of course right and if they're struggling even with the herbs i'll just i'll look it up for them because again i have their address right i'll look up where what's going on in their area i'm telling you i can figure that out even if they're in brazil and i have <laughs> and and I've, I've gotten them to be able to do it there's even there's even a yoga class in antarctica i figured that out too well, that's, cool. <laughs> that's, that's good to know <laughs> yeah was for my face. <laughs> <laughs> so you do what you do with the women all across the globe in terms of fertility work from your van. You, I do. You're a, you're a nomad. How did you go from New York, a practice in New York, to a nomad? What happened was I was just what I, I I was. I, because I've traveled all over the world, right? 42 countries. And as long as I have internet and phone, I'm good. And I was all over the South Pacific. But then I had a dog, not the one I currently had, but I had a dog named Baby Girl who was blind and deaf. Now, you can't go off. She was old, 20. She was 20. Wow. And you can't just go off and leave a, a blind, deaf dog with a friend to take care of, right? And so I thought my traveling days are over. And then I was watching a YouTube. I was watching YouTube, and it said something like, "Vegan in a van." You know, Google and its infinite wins, wisdom gives me that video. And so I'm like, "What the heck is that?" And she was living in her van, and I'm like, "What?" And then I started watching other ones, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, I can travel with my dog, right? And so I started figuring this out. And from the day that I got that video till I was in my van with solar on the roof, I have 200 watts on the roof. I have two AGM batteries under my bed. I have a cell booster that, that will connect me to the internet anywhere, right? I also have a directional antenna if I need it, if I'm really far out. So it took me one year from the time I watched that till I was traveling. And the whole idea of getting rid of everything and only owning what I actually need. <gasps> I, I can even, I can even, I only need one gallon of water a day for everything. Yes, I can do that, including washing, my dog doing my dishes oh i feel like i'm not a problem with the planet i'm part of the solution how did you like in that year that you transitioned you know went from yeah. whatever to van life uh what was the psychological shifts for you as you're like oh, getting rid of stuff recognizing i don't need that i don't need this i don't need this you, you know well first to... what i did is um i put everything I, I didn't know that I didn't need, right? Uh -huh. And I had ever, I got rid of stuff that I knew I, it was obvious. And then I put everything in storage, right? I had storage. And then I was on the road for a year and I never missed one thing, not one, not one thing. And I thought, what? I didn't need. And so then I decided to get rid of it. And the only thing that was really hard is I had a, um, a vertebrae from a whale 
that I had found in California when when the waves went out and there was this vertebrae that I had transferred across the country, across the country. And I thought, what can I do with that? And I thought, and so I thought I would put it in, um, bury it on the, where only s students could come. They would find it and it would be like, what, a whale? <laughs> and then I put up a picture of my, <laughs> I put up the stuff and a, a friend said, I want that whale vertebrae. And I said, you can keep it. It's yours. But if you, if there ever comes a time you don't want, you don't care about it anymore, then contact me and I'll take it back. But so I don't, there's not, I don't need anything. And I've even gotten rid of stuff that I thought I needed in my van. I thought I needed more clothes than I do. I don't need, you don't need that much. All right, so I'm gonna have to ask you the basic questions that I'm sure everyone's like, boy, how do you live in a van? So bathroom, shower, and where do you park? <laughs> okay, bathroom, um, I have a porta potty. Now there's different ways you do it, right? Like some people, some full-timers use they'll poop in one bag and pee in a bottle and all that. And I tested myself and at my age, I am not figuring out what, do I have to pee? Do I have to poop? No, I just want to go. And so I did a porta potty, which is a two and a half gallon one. And the reason I even use that size is because one gallon of water weighs eight and a half pounds. I didn't want a big old one that I got to drag somewhere that weighs so much and I can handle 15 pounds of water. And I just dump it at, um, I can dump mine in. It's not a big deal. It's two and a half gallons. So that's bathroom. And then shower, you can shower. Um, you can shower at any, you know, where the truckers go, mm -hmm. right? Or some people use like Planet Fitness, right? You get a, a, plan, a Planet Fitness. You don't need showers as often as you thought you did. There's also a guy... So it's not exactly like you're on the road alone, right? And there's a guy who used to be a um, some sort of an engineer, and he developed is called the one-hour shower, and use one gallon of water, and it recycles itself and cleans it. Okay, you're back. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if that was me or what. Re restate okay, about the shower. Oops, sorry, are you there again? Re restate about the shower. Okay. So yes. So go go on YouTube and just put in there one hour shower, and you're gonna see the engineer that developed a shower for us vanners, who um, it'll recycle of water over and over and clean it, and it's really simple. So that's an easy way to take a shower too. And, and so where do you one hour i mean yeah where do you park like at the end of the day i'm back are you you're back yeah okay i don't know if that's me getting a i don't know maybe that's me um so where you park is simple easy 
you start out going on um, freecampsites.net. And when you go on freecampsites.net, you'll put in where you're going, plan your trip, and you'll see, like, because I'm not going to pay for it all the time, right? Otherwise, you're stuck in, like, a campground. Oh, my God. Who wants to be in a campground, right? And, like, where I'm at, we call it boondocking, right? Where you're out in the boondocks. And if you have, you know, internet and you're solar, you don't need all that stuff and be stuck in a campground but so when you're starting out learning how to do it freecampsites.net is sort of your bible and or you can go to camp pendium and um if you're outside of the u.s it's i overlander you can even find where to go all over the world right and we're yes because there's van we're all over the world and but you start there and then you learn and as a woman i'm a you know a 65 year old woman a solo woman traveler Right. So I need to ha- keep things safe, too. And so I've learned my way to keep things safe and what I'm looking for. And as a woman, we're more tuned into our environment than anyone. One of the things, speaking of environment, that, whoops, is it going to go? Oh, no, that's okay. So it's um, the thing that I've learned the most from camping um, is... I had no idea that you can fall in love with the earth and the sky. You honestly can. That same in love feeling you feel for, you know, that you're all in love. It happens to you, to the earth and the sky. Honest. I had no idea it was even a a thing. It is. That's awesome. So I I have to imagine, besides spending a lot of time out in nature and natural surroundings, you've also met a lot of people in the same lifestyle as you around the world there's the place um the place where you start out look is there's a big gathering called um uh oh we're not what are we called um uh rubber the rubber tramp rendezvous the rubber tramp rendezvous um last year i think there were ten thousand uh nomads there and that happens in Arizona in January. And then you meet people that way. You meet your, you have to find your people, right? Not all, you know, you got to find your people that you really resonate with your people. And so going to the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous um, is a good place to start. And there's a woman's Rubber Tramp Rendezvous. And then there's sort of an offshoot of it that's called, they, so we call it the R rendezvous and then there's one called the party are where they party a little more you know <laughs> karaoke and all that kind of stuff that happens too so you get you connect up with people and then um when summer comes everybody disperses around the country you're back i don't know I don't know if that's me or you. Probably me. I am out in the middle of East <laughs> Bumblefuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, so we disperse after, you know, in the summer and everybody goes off. And that's what then you, but you meet up when you want to meet up. So what would you say you've learned about yourself as a, as a van life nomad? that you didn't know about yourself prior to hitting the road? 
I didn't know that I would fall in love with the earth and the sky. Nice. That was my first biggie. Nice. I also have, um, I didn't realize I study so much. I know I have a lot of degrees, right? And I always thought it was for this or for that, right? But I've also been working, getting, um, working on another bachelor's at, through, the, um, through Washington State University on geology. Oh, wow. Because I want to know what's this? Why is this like this? Right? Very cool. And so that's, yes. And, and now you can get, you know, you can study all over the world. There's, you, you can, any, you know, you can study. Yeah. Right. And I do. Nice. I didn't know that about myself. How did Chinese medicine change how you thought about yourself? I started seeing myself, um, I started seeing, you know, we start looking at the ancestors too, right? And how, what that of how that affects, not like biologically, like we do on the West, right? But all the way back, I even want to put together a, a um, I'm going to go to be going to Mexico and I want to put together a retreat where I needle all the ancient um, ancestral points. And then the next day we um, look at dreams. What dreams come out of that? right? And that combination of the ancestors and the dreams. So I see myself, I think through Chinese medicine and the combination, right, is I see that I'm a part of the world and what came before. And I do believe another world is possible and that we can really have a, bet, a, a world that works for us all. We can. And there's that. plenty of space. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> So if yeah. people want to learn more about your Chinese medicine in general, but your work for fertility in particular, how can they learn more about you and contact you? Yeah. So, yeah. So they can just go on, um, just go to fertility formulas with an S at the end. Fertilityformulas.com is my website. And or, you, or you can send me an email at Patricia at fertility formulas. Cool. I'll make sure to include that in the show notes. Yeah. And I know you want to do a poem. I do. But before you do, I just want to do a shout out to Gail, who introduced oh, us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll turn it over to you to close us out with a poem. Okay, here's my poem. And I, I learned this just because I wanted to memorize something. And I, this, was, this was 35 years ago. Little did I know I'd have to memorize 350 points in the ear alone for acupuncture right but but okay so this is the poem it's from um letters to the young poet by ranier maria rilke and again i say this every single day it's ah but poems amount to so little when one writes them young one ought wait and gather sense and sweetness a whole life long and a long life if possible and then, quite at the end, one might perhaps write ten lines that are good. For poems are not, as people imagine, simply emotions. Those one has early enough. They are experiences. For the sake of a single poem, one must see many cities, men, and things. One must understand the animals. One must feel how birds fly and know the gesture in which the little flower makes. One must be able to think back 
to roads in unknown regions, to unexpected meetings and partings one had long seen coming, to days of childhood still unexplained, to parents who one had to hurt when they brought one some joy and one could not grasp it. It was a joy meant for someone else. To childhood illnesses that so strangely begin such a number of grave and profound transformations. To nights of travel that rushed along and flew with all the stars. To days in rooms withdrawn and quiet. To mornings by the ocean. To the ocean itself. To all oceans. But it's not yet enough to think of all this. One must have memories of many nights of love, none of which were like the others, of screams of women in labor, of the light white sleeping women in childbed closing again. One must have sat beside the dying, sat beside the dead in the room with the open window and the fitful noises, but it's not yet enough to have memories. One must be able to forget them when they are many and then have the great patience to wait until they come again, for it's not the memories themselves, not until they've turned to the blood within us, glance and gesture, nameless and no longer to be distinguished from ourselves. Only then can it happen, in the most rarest of our, the first words of a poem arises from the mist and goes forth from it. That's it. Thank you, Patricia. That's Enjoy. good, right? Yeah, it's very good. I appreciate that. You're nice, nice way to end our conversation. Exactly, right? <laughs> well, I, I wish you much success in, in assisting women getting pregnant and uh, enjoy your travels and stay safe. Hey, when you're looking for how to do the van life, hmm? be sure to check out Creativity RV on YouTube. Will do. Okay. Thank you, Patricia. Great to talk you're to you. Welcome. We're good? Okay. Bye-bye.